DFSers, it's Thanksgiving Day Slate. It's a special time of the year. And for those of you that play DFS, we're excited to jump in this with you, spend the holidays with you, Bets. Are you excited, man? I'm so excited, dude. I love the Thanksgiving Slate. Like, this is basically Christmas to us, us DFS players. Um, it's so much fun. You know, usually this year's weird. You know, usually you're spent the day, you're having uh, a bunch of great food, you're surrounded by your family and friends, having a few drinks watching football it's like the best day of the year in my opinion but you know 2020 it's been a weird year people maybe not able to travel see their families those kind of things you can spend the day with Betzenborg and I think that might be even better than what you normally get on Thanksgiving so yeah man I'm super excited one of my best or favorite I should say slates of the entire year if you wanted to spend this Thanksgiving with I don't know Andy Dalton you know you can do it you wanted to Jump in with Gus Edwards. Get on the bus. Oh, Gus bus. Uh, this is this is the slate for you. And if you are new to kind of the concept of a three-game showdown slate, we're going to explain some of that, our favorite picks, talk a little Thanksgiving, and break down these three games because you have to approach this different than what we normally do for the main slate. So if you're listening to this podcast, this is coming out on Wednesday morning. Uh, the games will be played on Thursday. And then we'll be releasing our main slate podcast regularly on this Friday. So yeah, this week is just full uh, of lots of DFS action. There's no buys this week, which is just strange. So we have a lot of teams, a lot of players to talk about. But for our quick question, let's just talk about some Thanksgiving. We're going to do a little stash or trash. And we're not talking about mustaches here. Although, bets you can grow out a good mustache, man. <laughs> no, I cannot. I'm like, literally, <laughs> I have the facial hair pattern of like a 12-year-old child. I cannot grow facial hair to save my life. And actually, right before we hopped on the recording tonight, um, my wife, she's like, are you going to go on camera like that? And Kyle and I do this via Zoom. But she was like, yeah, you're going to go on video like that? I was like, oh, no, I'm not like on, like I'm not online. It's totally fine. She's like, yeah, but you have to, you have to shave for Kyle. So, Kyle, you should, uh, you should appreciate what you're seeing right now. You know, I always try to put on my best for you. Um, I'm wearing a a Texans jersey tonight. It is a David Carr, not Derek, but David Carr, his brother, first overall pick. The GOAT. Who was a major, major bust, but I, I got this jersey back in high school. So I thought I'd wear it for you, Bets. And for the people that are listening, you know what? At least you can hear our sweet, sweet tones. So, uh, Bets, give me one dish that you can't live without for Thanksgiving. Dude, this is classic. Give me all the pumpkin desserts. Pumpkin pie, of course, is what everyone has. But my favorite, pumpkin roll. And people might not know what that is. My aunt makes it. It's basically like a uh, a cake sort of that you kind of roll with cream cheese in between. And it creates this like kind of uh, like cylinder, basically, of like pumpkin, cream, deliciousness, butter, sugar, all that kind of stuff. It is so good. Of course, pumpkin bars, all that kind of stuff to it. I love pumpkin flavored things. Um, you know, you can find me usually at Starbucks, you know, my pumpkin spice latte as per usual. No, not really hate those things, but normally I like pumpkin, uh, flavored desserts. And it's just upsetting that we don't get to eat those year round. So I like to stash those. Uh, I'm definitely keeping those in my lineup on Thanksgiving, the pumpkin desserts. For me, I'm having stuffing. That's what we call it down here in the South. It's not dressing. It is the one that you make that's outside of the turkey. It's the stuffing, and you put the gravy on it. That's just what we do here in the South. It's If you really ask me what's in it, I couldn't really tell you. No one knows. But uh, <laughs> here, it's just something that I love. It's not good for you by any means. No. But, um, and I wouldn't say that I like eating stuffing any other time of the year, but on my Thanksgiving plate, give me the stuffing, give me the gravy. So give me something that you think, you need to throw this in the trash. This is where this belongs. All right, this is a hot take, I feel like. Cranberry sauce is trash in and of itself. Now, I have had a couple of cranberry sauces over the years that I'm like, oh, that's actually not too bad. It's pretty good. It's not too sweet, that kind of thing. But those are homemade. If you're eating cranberry sauce out of the can, I'm sorry. I don't think we can be friends. Like when it has the the ring imprints in the jelly, like it's just a hard no for me. I am fully out on cranberry sauce out of the can. No, thank you. 
you don't like the fact that it's congealed to a certain shape that doesn't do it for you? You know, it, it really doesn't. It kind of sounds surprising, right? Like, it's just like, yeah, this is so easy to make. You just <laughs> open it, put it on a plate. Like, how delicious is this going to be? Like, just the look of it. I literally cannot. And I'm sorry. I, I feel like I really just ruined Thanksgiving for all of our listeners that are eating that. So sorry, guys. Yeah, cranberry sauce is actually pretty divisive. In uh, my wife's side, they make a frozen cranberry sauce that has vodka in it. Ooh, so uh, I can be into it's, that. It's actually It's actually pretty good. Uh, for me, I'm going to trash sweet potato casserole. Um, anything that's like sweet potato or yams, uh, I, is that what you guys call them up north? Sweet potatoes. Okay, cool. Yeah, no, we, we call them sweet potatoes. But yeah, sweet potato casserole, don't want any part of it. Um, I don't like eating out of the garbage So because uh, that's where it belongs. You're a so hater. That's, you know, for me, uh, that's what we're going to have to do. But I hope you guys are going to enjoy your Thanksgiving sl- uh, day. We're going to be with you guys. Like I said, pod comes out on Wednesday. If you want to join us, all of Betts' picks for the Thanksgiving Day slate, I put out a first look article, are in the DFS pass. It's only $29.99. And honestly, you can make your money back on Thursday, and it pays for it yourself for the rest of the year. It's only a one-time fee. Uh, we think it's a great, great deal. So, dfspass.com if you want to jump in with that but let's talk about these three games state of the main slate so for the thanksgiving slate we have three games here and we're going to break them down like we normally do on our dfs pod but i want to first just hit how you do or how you approach this in terms of strategy because this is very different than how we talk about constructing our lineups. You know, usually with the main slate, we're dealing with 10, you know, 12 games. And you're trying to find certain players that are salary savers, that you can get a lot of volume at a certain position. But this week, I feel like salary is not an issue. So, Betts, you were building some cash game lineups earlier. How did that feel? What would you explain to the listeners about how you construct your lineup this week? Yeah, it felt great, to be honest with you. I was really surprised at how well it worked out. A lot of the plays I felt really confident with, and primarily that's because salary isn't really an issue on this slate like you talked about. It's just a different type of of strategy, right? Like when you have 12 games to look at, you can kind of go through every game, every player and every position and sort of find like, oh man, that guy's a massive value or, oh man, that guy's way overpriced. I'm just going to fade him. Well, on a three-game slate, you kind of have to take salary out of the equation in some aspects because, you know, when when DraftKings and FanDuel do their pricing in the week, they do it kind of across the entire NFL. They don't do it just for the slate and then just for the, the Sunday slate. So there's still guys in there that you're like, man, how is Brandon Cook still $5,200? Like that just isn't right. But when you look at this slate, for example, he's probably a top four, top five wide receiver play on the entire slate of these three games. So it's sort of a a situation where the pricing is mismatched based off of the games that are there. And I found it to be really successful in building a cash lineup that I feel great about. So yeah, it's it's a whole different animal here for this three game slate compared to the 10 or 12 that we normally get on Sundays. There's really only two studs, like only two people are priced up. It's Deshaun Watson and then Terry McLaurin's the highest priced wide receiver, but he's still just 7k. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott, 6,800, and that's still not that much, relatively uh, speaking. So, yeah, like you said, salary is not an issue. So I think what is important is how to gain leverage. And we've talked about that before on the show. If you don't know, leverage is you basically looking at who are going to be the highest rostered players. And then in tournaments saying, okay, who is somebody that I can kind of uh, use against them? So, for instance, Deshaun Watson is going to be the most popular quarterback by far. He's going to approach 50% in some tournaments. And that makes sense. Like we've seen how awesome he's been. We'll talk about him in a second. But if you really wanted to gain leverage against him, you know, Duke Johnson's probably the easiest way to do that. Or you're saying on the other side, I'm going to use Matthew Stafford stacks against him while everyone else is running to Watson and, you know, those Texans wide receivers. So you have to think about that because there's only six teams. You know, we're not we're not looking at all these different plays where, you know, there's going to be unique lineups like you're not going to be able to get too cute in this one because everybody knows the players you're talking about. Like, you know, the cheap tight end, everyone knows who the cheap tight ends are this week. So learn how to gain leverage. And then I'll also mention these run defenses. You know, we love playing running backs in DFS because they have guaranteed workloads. But this week, four of these six defenses are terrible against the run. The Lions 
the Texans, the Cowboys, and surprisingly, the Ravens. The Ravens have been pretty bad. And we're going to talk about one more at the end. I'll just mention it right now. The Steelers in recent weeks has have been awful. And we'll talk about more of that when we get to the Gus Edwards conversation. But yeah, I mean, all these defenses can't stop the run. Yeah, and so what do we do with that? Like, is it just going to be we're going to play all of these running backs because they're great plays and we have enough salary to do it? I think what we need to do is get creative, and that usually happens with wide receivers in the flex. So on DraftKings specifically, don't be afraid to play that fourth wide receiver there because if you're getting that guaranteed kind of PPR volume, then you can play somebody like uh, Kiki Kute or uh, just somebody that you're saying, I, I think they can get there. Maybe even Willie Sneed. I don't know. But you're looking for someone with PPR value that no one else is going to be playing in the flex because people are going to want to play three running backs. So any other quick thoughts about strategy for this slate? I think just in general, one thing to take away from this, you know, when we have this conversation about these games, we're probably going to talk about, you know, the quote unquote best plays. And really what we're referring to is like, those are kind of the building blocks for your lineup. And if you're doing a cash lineup or a 50, 50, like, great, take this information and run with it. But don't forget to also think about this game as almost like a mini showdown slate, right? Like we talk about in showdown and we did an episode back in August, all the way back in August. (laughs) It's crazy to say um, about strategy for showdown, uh, you know, or um, those single game slates. And we talked about, you know, the game script doesn't always go the way you want it to or the way you think it's going to or even the way it should. And so you need to build lineups that kind of go around that. Like, for example, Deshaun Watson is by far and away the best play on the slate at the quarterback position. If you just said, give me one quarterback, don't care what his price is, he's going to perform the best. It's Deshaun Watson. But what happens? Like, build a lineup around what happens if the Texans fall on their face. Duke Johnson runs for 200 yards and two touchdowns, right? Like, then you kind of have to get creative with how the game scripts play out. So I'll just give our listeners kind of that word of advice. And that's specifically if you're playing in those bigger tournaments, those GPPs. Uh, This is a slate where you definitely have to get a little bit creative. And let's hop into this first matchup. And I think what we can do is, like you said, let's talk about a couple of game scripts. If they go a certain way, how do you build your tournament lineup? So this first game that's, that's going on at 12 noon Eastern time on Thursday is the Houston Texans at the Detroit Lions. Uh, The Texans are three-point road favorites, even though they actually have a worse record than the Lions. And this game has a 51-point over-under. The Texans have the highest implied total on the slate. So, in other words, Vegas is saying of the six teams, the Texans are going to basically put up four touchdowns. So that's something to think about when you're you're building your lineups, that this is the team that most people are going to be building around. Like, Watson is going to be the chalk. Fuller and Cooks are going to be chalk. Uh, So... Think about that first, but let's just start on that Texan side. How good has Deshaun Watson been since Bill O'Brien left town is somewhere we don't know where, we don't know his whereabouts, but we're glad that he's not coaching the Texans anymore or their GM. Why was he their GM? That's the million dollar question. I'll tell you who else is very happy that he is not the coach is Deshaun Watson, who sans B.O.B., has been a top 10 fantasy quarterback in five of six games without him. And in those games, he has two plus passing touchdowns in five of six. He's just been lights out. He's been automatic. He's been a plug and play in season long leagues without even thinking twice about it. And I found myself going to him a ton of DFS because typically on these slates, if you're talking about a main slate, like he's usually like the quarterback five, six, somewhere in there where he has QB one upside every single week. Now, this week on this slate, he is priced as the quarterback one. But like we talked about, if you're playing a cash format, that price isn't really that concerning. You can still get a, a great lineup surrounded by uh, lots of great players in all skill positions if you go with Deshaun Watson. So if I'm building cash lineup, he's where I'm starting. He's going to be great. I mean, he's taking on the Lions, right? They can't get off the quarterback. They can't pressure him. And he's got two studs catching the football. So it checks all the boxes. Highest team total on the slate. Sign me up. Yeah, and he's been running the ball. And that's what you want to see in your DFS quarterback. He's up to 27 yards rushing per game, but that's since Bill O'Brien's left, it's more like 35 per game. And so six, when he gets six rushing attempts per game, that's just something you can add in for that floor. So yes, by far the best player, uh, best play on the slate. You know, right now we have him around 43, you know, 44%. And I think he'll hit 50 um, when we get there because everyone's going to look at the slate. They're going to look at this team. And so we're not telling you not to play him, but just realize if you're doing a GPP, uh, you're not that cute when you think about playing him. And it's really easy to figure out who you're going to stack him with. It's either Will Fuller or Brandon Cooks, who is still just 
disrespected on DraftKings. You've brought this up, Betts, over and over again. He's 5,300. They just won't increase his salary, and I just don't understand. And this Lions pass defense is really, really bad. Desmond Trufant is complete dust. Jeffrey Okuda is a rookie and really hasn't played that well, despite being the third overall pick. So is it just that simple? Just like if you're playing Watson, double stack or or just pick one of those guys? I think it is, especially if you're going cash. Now, you don't have to double stack in cash, obviously, but pick one of the two or play a couple of lineups and play them with both in one. You know, Will Fuller has been locked and loaded as a top 15 option every week. And Brandon Cooks continues to be, um, I feel like there's a stigma around Brandon Cooks that people don't understand. Like, and I don't mean this in a negative way, but he's the team's wide receiver one from a target share perspective. And it's not really all that close, to be honest. So if you're telling me I get to pick one of these guys price considered, it's Brandon Cooks, $5,300 on DraftKings, 6500 on FanDuel. Obviously, he's cheaper and I think has just as much upside as Will Fuller. Um, another all, other thing to consider, too, you know, you mentioned Jeff Okuda. He was a DMP two days in a row for practice with the Lions. So we'll see what happens on Wednesday. But if he's out, even more confidence in these guys here catching the football. But there's a guy that I know you like. If you're playing in a large field GPP, if you want to get a little leverage off of Will Fuller, Brandon Cooks, who's the dude? It's uh, Marvin Jones. No, it's uh, <laughs> but actually it might be it's Kiki. Ku- <laughs> it's uh, Kiki Kuti. Uh, Randall Cobb is going to be out for multiple weeks with the toe injury. Kenny Stills also was injured last week, so he's just slotting in uh, as the team slot wide receiver. Nice. There you go. And I just think you're getting easy PPR, you know, gold here. You only saw four targets last week, but. Uh, if you're st- if Watson's the most popular player on the slate and these two wide receivers ahead of him are the most popular, then the way to gain leverage is to play QT. Or if you're going to double stack instead of going with Fuller and Cooks, pick one of them and then go with QT. So I think it's just really simple on DraftKings. He's 3,400, so he's way down there. Like we said, you don't need to save that much salary, but being different with him, I think makes a ton of sense. And then let's just finish talking about Duke Johnson. His touches have gone down the last three weeks from 20 to 14 to 13. He's been a massive bust the last two weeks, even though he's been chalk. Uh, And Watson, here's the thing. Watson historically just hasn't thrown to the running back position since coming to the league in 2017. He has the lowest uh, market share in terms of throwing to the running backs in the league. So he just doesn't look to throw to the running back position. All of that to say, I think Duke Johnson's a really good play and a really good leverage play for everyone that's going to be playing these other stacks because the Lions are not just hashtag bad against the run. They're awful. They're like really, really bad. So what do you think about Duke Johnson? Yeah, he's a GPP leverage play for sure off of Deshaun Watson. I love that call a lot. I won't play him in cash. and I don't think our listeners should either, despite the matchup. And, you know, when you go into your app or you go online to DraftKings or FanDuel or wherever you're playing, you're going to see it's going to be a green uh, color it's going to probably say 31 or 32 like it, it looks good on paper so in cash I would just hesitate you know, hesitate to do it just given that we've seen the floor with Duke Johnson it's been extremely low the other thing to point out with Duke Johnson is Deshaun Watson has sneakily been taking away some goal line equity in the past two weeks Deshaun Watson has three carries inside the 10 yard line uh, Duke Johnson just has one so you're looking at a scenario where you need a lot of things to go right for Duke Johnson to hit but again, on a three-game slate, you have to be a little uncomfortable if you're playing in GPPs. You can't just go with chalk. It's not going to work. So I do like Duke Johnson as a tournament play. I think we're going to see his roster percentage come in very, very low, given how often people were burned by him in the past couple of weeks. Yeah, I like him better on FanDuel at 6,100. And, you know, he's just not getting the targets that you want. But yeah, I mean, could he luck his way into maybe, I don't know, 75, 80 total yards and a touchdown and end up being maybe the RB3 on the slate. Like, that's perfect for flex territory. So um, I like some other running backs better, but uh, for tournaments, I think he's great. So let's go to this Lions side because they are completely ravaged with injuries. Like, I just, I, I'm i scared to, to figure out what I want to do here because we don't think Kenny G is going to be back, which is super sad. I wanted to use that drop. I wanted to, that's the only reason I wanted to do it. But Kenny G is hurt. DeAndre Swift uh, was in concussion protocol. He did uh, return and get somewhat of a limited practice, but he's just not completely cleared yet. Uh, Danny Amendola is banged up. So who are we playing on this Lions side? That's a great question. <laughs> I will point out too with, with DeAndre Swift though, real quick, if he is active, and again, I'm 
like 98% sure he's not going to be just given that it's already Tuesday night. Typically for a Thursday game, like we'll know by probably like two or three Eastern tomorrow on Wednesday, whether or not he will be active. But if he is Kyle, like what is your confidence in him with the matchup? We know Houston can't stop the run at all. And then if he's not active, then we'll talk about kind of what to do with the running back. So I love Swift if he plays. I mean, we can keep the conversation short because I don't think he's going to. But if for some reason he does, where would you rank him in terms of like running back plays on the slate? He actually slots in as my favorite running back. If he's playing and I think that they're not they're going to give him, you know, you know, 50 to 60 percent of the touches. He's just so efficient uh, in terms of when he gets touches, he gets the passing work that we want. Um, and I think he, if Swift's in this game, this is a much closer game in my opinion. So he's one of the top one or two running back plays. And like we said, salary doesn't matter. You play this guy on FanDuel. He's even better play at 7,200. So, uh, yeah, if he's in, you should play him, but let's talk about the other two running backs because Peterson was a massive bust last week. I actually played him in cash because he was 4,000 great matchup. I can't believe you texted that to me like an hour before lock. I was like, dude, are you out of your mind? <laughs> he was, I mean, he was 25% uh, rostered in a lot of my cash. Like, I think he was the the pivot that everyone says, all right, I'm going to get some cheap yardage. He was the stone cold minimum and it just didn't work out. Instead, Carryon Johnson saw 70 plus percent of the snaps last week. I think he's a sneaky flex play this week and not many people are talking about him. So tell me about carry on. Yeah, I love carry on this week as a GPP type of play. And, you know, we talked about game scripts, right? Like, let's say this Lions uh, Houston game goes where away in a way where like, you know, for whatever reason, Deshaun Watson falls on his face in the first half. They can't get anything going. And all of a sudden the Lions are up by a touchdown or two at halftime. Are you telling me Matt Patricia isn't going to hand the ball off to carry on Johnson 20 times to try to slow down the game? He's absolutely going to do that. So I think if you're building a lineup around that type of scenario where like Deshaun Watson's playing catch up in the second half and carry on Johnson gets there in the first half and in the, the first three quarters, like that works. And you know, the price is really intriguing. 4,300 on DK, 4,900 on FanDuel. He saw five targets last week, too. So, like, even if you go the other way in the game script where you're like, man, the Lions are just having to throw the ball a ton to keep up. You talked about the injuries. If Kenny Galladay isn't out there, if Danny Amendola isn't out there, who's catching the football? Yeah, I like I like carry on this week, man. I think he's a great GPP play that no one's going to want to play because they still have that kind of stink left over from carry on with all the hype from Jason over the past two years. And he's done nothing. So I think he's a, a phenomenal GPP play. And a good way to look at this is just think about roster percentages. And although we just have projections, uh, if you add up maybe Deshaun Watson and Will Fuller's roster projection, those are going to be the two highest rostered guys. You know, you're looking at players that are going to be 75, 80% uh, when you add those two together. And then on the other side, when you go carry on Johnson, Matthew Stafford, Marvin Jones, you're getting half that. And that's just that's how you gain leverage is is you're looking at the other side and you're saying, okay, Matthew Stafford's going to come in, I don't know, 15 to 20 percent on this uh, with six teams on the slate. Like that's just the way that you're able to do it. So I don't love Stafford. Uh, He dealt with, you know, that thumb injury and his team's banged up. But if you wanted to get different and let and kind of gain leverage here, that's how I would do it. But what about Marvin Jones? Yeah. I feel like if there is a play on the line side, if you are stacking Watson and Cooks or Fuller, then running it back with Marvin makes sense. Would you say you like Marvin better or Hawkinson? Yeah, I would take Marvin. And the only reason I say that is because, A, he's our boy. But B, um, you know, in, in this kind of slate, there's a couple of tight ends that I actually like a lot better that are cheaper in my lineups than I played around with. So I prefer the, the tight ends we'll talk about. TJ Hawkinson is fine. I will certainly play a couple lineups that have him as the bring back for Deshaun Watson stacks. He's seen seven plus targets in three of his last four, but you kind of know what you're getting with Hawkinson, right? Like he'll be involved around the, the red zone and, and around the goal line, which is great. We want those touchdowns, but like he doesn't really have like a massive ceiling in my opinion, or at least we haven't seen it yet. We've at least seen Marvin Jones go for like, you know, 80 yards and two scores or a hundred plus yards and a, a score. He's taken on uh, Vernon Hargreaves this week in terms of his cornerback matchup, which is great. Uh, Vernon has given up 14.6 yards per completion and has allowed a 66% completion percentage to his opposing uh, wide receivers. So I like Marvin Jones this week. I think he's a great bring back if you're building a Deshaun Watson stack. Yeah, Marv, he just needs to get some more love. You know, he's he's my guy. Dude, the, he's, the week after it was Marv week, he went off. 
So last week, guys, was going to be Marv week. So that means it's going to be this week. And I just feel like I feel like he always shows up in primetime spots, like in, in games where like he's center stage. So, um, yeah, Marvin Jones on FanDuel, 6,000. It's a great play. And then I'll, we mentioned Hawkinson. He's seen seven plus targets in three of the last four games. You don't really have to save at tight end. It's it's cheap. I mean, Hawkinson is 4,700 on DraftKings, so you can easily fit him in. But I feel like one of those two guys, Jones or Hawkinson, uh, is a great play. And then, um, yeah, we like carry on. I think he kind of stands out to us as a GPP play. So give me your Vegas pick. Yeah, I'll take Houston. Deshaun Watson just playing way too good right now. And any chance any chance you get to fade Matt Patricia, I will do it. I'll take Houston minus three. Dude, you are so consistent about <laughs> sticking it to Patricia. Yep. <laughs> week after week. <laughs> All right. I'm gonna yeah, I'm gonna take Houston on three points. I just I trust Watson and this Lions team is just too banged up. And then on defense, it's like nothing really sticks out and they know how to get trashed on the ground too so all right next game is the washington football team who we have yet to talk about this entire season on the dfs podcast (laughs) so it's kind of nice washington football team at the dallas cowboys cowboys are three point home favorites this game has a 46 and a half point total and this is a battle for either first place or a top five pick so it's really those both sound great like first place in a division or a top five pick so which one would you rather have bets this season, yeah, if, if I have the choice, you know, and the Eagles play the, the Seahawks on Monday night, which is going to be great. I can't wait to watch that and be embarrassed. And we're going to be in the, in the running for a top 10 pick, which is really exciting. So I will take the pick this year because if you tell me any of these teams are getting to the playoff, which one of them is, like, how, how bad is that going to be? How embarrassing is that going to be? I don't want any part of that. No, give me the pick. And in this game, we who would have thought, who would have thought, you know, that we'd be here? I not me, Alex Smith versus Andy Dalton. That is the Thanksgiving <laughs> slate that we need people. in a nutshell. Yeah, so these are going to easily be the two lowest rostered quarterbacks. And they are both interesting, I will say. like We know that Alex Smith is a bit of a compiler. If he's behind, he's going to dump it off to J.D. McKissick. And then Dalton actually looked pretty good last week. You know, they, they beat the Vikings on the road. Uh, there was some life in the passing game. Elliot, you know, wasn't left for dead. So I feel like with these quarterbacks, you could take a stab at either one for tournaments. Which one do you like better? Yeah, if I'm building a, a tournament lineup, it's going to be with Andy Dalton. And it's just because I think he has at least the ceiling to get there. You know, like uh, Alex Smith, it's it's a great story, obviously, being a physical therapist. Like, I love the fact that he's out on the field. Like, it's an incredible situation. But, you know, the reality is, the pass catchers for Washington outside of Terry McLaurin are not great, right? And, and Andy Dalton has Zeke. He's got Amari. He's got CeeDee Lamb. He's got Michael Gallup. Like, there's a, a path for him to get there. And, you know, he's a player that we've seen in his career with uh, the Bengals has put up big games. So if I'm building a GPP lineup that's with one of these quarterbacks, it'll probably be with Andy Dalton. And this is probably the game that I I feel like you can get the most leverage on because Elliott's going to be by far the most popular running back on the slate. He's going to approach 60-70%. And because he's not hard to fit in, especially on DraftKings at 6,800. So just quickly, if I'm looking at this game and I wanted to build a stack for GPPs, I would get Andy Dalton, Amari Cooper, and then maybe pick one other pass catcher, maybe even Dalton Schultz. And then on the other side, I'd start with Antonio Gibson because the game script that you're saying is that Washington gets ahead, they run Gibson into the ground, and then you're asking Dalton and everybody else to kind of come back. And so I I like that game script because I just think they want to feed Antonio Gibson. What do you think? Yeah, I don't think we need to think about it. They they basically said they do. Uh, I pulled a quote here in the show doc from head coach Ron Rivera after the team's win against the Bengals last week. And if you, anyone watched that game or saw the final score, you know, you notice that uh, Washington was up the entire game or, or a lot in the second half. And, you know, the, the coaching staff was talking about in an interview about how they liked how that felt and kind of how the um, how the game script went. And they were like, you know, that's what I prefer to have that, you know, lead in the second half, run the football, c- control the clock. But here's what he said, quote, if you systematically run the ball and grind the clock and control it, you can control the tempo End quote. So. Ron Rivera's choice is if they get up in the second half, Antonio Gibson is going to get the ball 
a ton. And he has 17 plus touches in three of his last four games. Dallas obviously is not a scary defense to run the ball on. So I like that game script a lot from GPPs. If you're stacking this game with an Andy Dalton stack, bring it back with Antonio Gibson. I think it's a great play. Yeah. And I'll just mention with the wide receivers on the Cowboys side, like it seems like Cooper still is the favorite and we need to recognize that like this is who Dalton is targeting. And Michael Gallup is just kind of left for dead. He's way down there on DraftKings at 3,500. So I'm at least interested because of this, you know, three game slate. Like he comes into play. Like people are going to put Gallup in their lineups and he could catch a long one, although he had some drops this past week. Uh, so I, you, these wide receivers need to be on your radar. They need to be in your tournament pool. I can't really tell you right now if it's, you know, going to be Lamb or, you know, is he going to be the one to break out or not? But uh, Cooper seems to be the easiest one for cash game lineups. Uh, but Zeke, let do you feel like Zeke is somebody that you have to make a stand on? I mean, 75% is where I'm seeing him in some of our projections. Like that's, that's, that's where you have to really say to yourself, like, okay, is he going to get there? Because if he doesn't get there, that's, that's where I fade. Yeah, I think you, you potentially could, you know, and there's also a scenario that plays out. And we saw at the end of the game last week, Tony Pollard rips off a long one. Like maybe there's a scenario where Dallas goes back to what they did in the last couple of weeks where, you know, they were kind of dysfunctional. Zeke wasn't really running the ball, all that kind of stuff. Now, is that what's optimal and right? No, but we're trying to create a story and tell ourselves a story to get different in these tournaments. And so I do think if if Zeke's up to 70, 75, heck, probably 80% rostered in tournaments, like the easiest way to gain leverage, and you can still play other guys. You can play the Deshaun Watson sacks if you fade Zeke because your, your roster ship percentage isn't through the roof. So I do think you have to take a stand. But in cash lineups, to me, he's a, he's a lock. Don't make a cash lineup without him. He's easily the projected best running back play on the entire slate. I look back at his last couple of Thanksgiving Day games and he's played three in his career and he's hit 20 points every single time on DraftKings. So, you know, you might say to yourself, 20 points, that's great, but it's not like slate winning, but like with only three games, that's really, really good. You know, I bet we're going to see maybe one or two running backs hit that mark this week. So it's not a guarantee. Uh, Yeah, cash lineups, I think he's great. Don't be afraid to fade him in some GPPs. All right, and then let's keep talking about the Washington side. Uh, J.D. McKissick and Antonio Gibson, at at first glance, you would say, okay, well, you kind of have to pick those two. They can't be in the same lineup. But there was two weeks in a row where they were both relevant in the same weeks, and they're both seeing. So are you seeing them play out this week where you have to pick between them, like Washington's going to get ahead and run the ball with Gibson, like we mentioned, or Washington's behind, he's going to be dumping off to Smooches? Yeah, I think that's probably the way I'm going to approach it. You know, we just typically don't see two running backs in the same roster produce very well. Now, does it happen? Yeah, of course it does. You know, these two did. We saw Tony Pollard and Zeke last week both have good games thanks to Pollard's long uh, rushing touchdown. So it does happen, but it's more rare. And so to me, that's a a play where you would only really do that if you're in like a massive field tournament and you want to have a really unique lineup. But outside of that, I probably won't. I'll just pick one and build a lineup around a game script that I think is going to play out. And I do think it's worth mentioning too, like JD McKissick in the last three weeks, there was a big change in his his snaps. Two weeks ago, uh, 83%. Last week, 70% of the snaps in those games. That's when we saw that 14 and 15 target game that he had where he was just a PPR stud and was a DraftKings like GPP winner. But last week when they were winning against the Bengals and we talked about how much Ron Rivera loved that, his snaps fell to 52%. He saw uh, four targets. So I do think there's a, a game script component to it. And I think we should build our lineups based off that. Terry McLaurin, your boy. I know he's been your guy all year. I'll let you riff on him, but seven plus targets in every single game leads the league in yak. He's he's a stud. And the best part about McLaurin is he's just got such a high floor. He has the highest floor, arguably, on the slate for a wide receiver. Maybe you could say Deontay Johnson. But uh, tell me about McLaurin, and is he just a cash game lock? Yeah, he's to me, he's a cash game lock. And he still is underpriced at 7K, in my opinion. I think he, you know, is showing enough and he's quarterback proof with who he's played with this year to be productive every single week. And, you know, the thing about McLaurin that I'm really excited about this week, I do think he's going to come with a ton of ownership, which is kind of a bummer. But 
I think he finds the end zone this week, right? Like Dallas, we know, gets shredded through the air from wide receivers. We saw Adam Thielen have a great game last week with two touchdowns. And Terry McLaurin's, you know, stats look great. He's got uh, the six most targets at the wide receiver position. He's 13th in receiving, but he's tied for 45th in receiving touchdowns. So at some point, those numbers are going to balance out. And hopefully our man, Alex Smith, can get him there this week. I love Terry McLaurin. I'll play him in every cash lineup. Yeah, he's already at 40%, and I could see that grow even more. So, yeah, McLaurin's just an easy play. You don't have to stack him with Smith if you don't think Smith will get there. He's just an easy play. In this game, if you're saying, you know what, I'm going to do a Watson stack, and so I'm not going to roll with Smith or Dalton, then I feel like a lot of people are going to play McLaurin and, and Zeke. Uh, so just realize that, or we're going to play McLaurin and, and Cooper. So, uh, those secondary correlations are super important in this game, but because there's only three of them, you're not going to be that different from everyone else. So a player that is kind of out there, Steven Sims Jr. He's 3,200 on DK. Uh, he's sneaky. He had a touchdown last week and he's sneaky because if you're playing the Washington DST, then maybe you'll have some correlation because he has some special teams ability. He's taken some to the house. So, that is a really fun play. I will just say majority of the time it doesn't happen, but it's worth mentioning on this slate. And then Logan Thomas, he runs routes. That's it. That's <laughs> that's as much as you can ask for when he's out on the field, you know, 90 plus percent of the time. He sees four or five targets every game. And really, you know what? That's that's all you can ask for. So Logan Thomas is a fine play this week, just like Dalton Schultz. Like these are two guys, if you want to pivot off of the best plays, which we'll talk about in the next game, then I think those are the two guys that will come in a lot lower, uh, but you're just basically hoping for a touchdown and that's it. Yeah, for sure. And it is worth noting too, though, when these te- teams played back in, when was that week, like seven, I think, or, or week eight, sometime recently, uh, the Washington football team came out, they won the game, Logan Thomas, four for 60 and a touchdown, that was in week seven as Kyle is kindly highlighting here on the doc for me, because apparently I cannot read. <laughs> so it is worth mentioning, you know, he did have a good game uh, in that that matchup. And it, with this pass catching core, like, you know, there's there's paths where like Deshaun Watson goes bananas for like four passing touchdowns and you want all the pass catchers. For Alex Smith, we know it's probably one p- passing touchdown, maybe two. So like if you're if you're playing a Washington pass catcher, to me, I'm probably going to pick one and then move on. Yeah, and I mean, I just feel like when we look at this game and last time you mentioned Washington won 25 to three, it was ugly. Uh, It was just an ugly game in general. So when I just look at these two teams, like I don't, I just don't see a scenario where there's a shootout only because Dallas is at home. I think their defense is better than what it's been in last week. They showed up a little bit more. They gained some pressure. And then we know Washington's defense knows how to pressure the quarterback. So uh, I don't mind them at all. So any last thoughts on either of these two teams? No, I don't think so. I think we covered it all. All right. For me, for my Vegas pick, I will actually take the under. It's at 46 and a half, and I don't think they have enough firepower to stay there. So I'll take the under. I will take the football team plus three. All right. Last game on this Thanksgiving slate is the night one. And this is a fun game. This is a you know, AFC North battle, the two teams that clearly hate each other. It's Baltimore Ravens at the Pittsburgh Steelers, the undefeated Steelers, while the Ravens have dropped a few in a row. The Steelers are three and a half point home favorites, and this game has a pretty mediocre 45 point total. So do we just look at this game and say, we've seen this before, we've seen this play out earlier, and we kind of know the Steelers are going to take control because Honestly, Lamar Jackson is just not the same quarterback he was last year. So is this game script pretty simple? Like Steelers take the lead and Lamar just can't come back? Well, I think that's probably the most likely outcome. Let's say we we played this game out 100 times. That probably happens 65 to 70% of the time, right? But there is still a scenario where like Lamar Jackson just has a smash week and you're like, oh man, I wish I would have seen that coming. Like he was so good last year. Why didn't I play him? And I think this could be the spot where it happens, right? Because we have to talk about the running back situation for Baltimore. J.K. Dobbins out, Mark Ingram out because of COVID. Gus Bus, Gus Edwards is going to be the lead back with Justice Hill and practice squad Tyson Williams, who the heck is Your that? Boy. <laughs> right? So like 
their running back room is is just decimated. So if I'm the coach of Baltimore, which I think I would do a fantastic job of, obviously, I would say, you know what, Lamar Jackson is pretty freaking good at running the football. Let's use Gus. Let's use some Justice Hill. But let's let's unleash Lamar in a game that honestly they have to win. Like they have to win this game to kind of prove that they're legit and they can make a playoff run. So I think this is a game where Lamar Jackson could come out and smash. And we talked about it at the top of the show with these defenses not be able to stop the stop the run. I mean, the Steelers, man, over the last several weeks, the last four, they've given up 5.06 yards per carry. They have not been playing good run defense. So despite what the, the season-long statistics say, the rate at, at the recent kind of um, stats have been pretty bad for, for Pittsburgh. So I'm pretty excited about Lamar Jackson this week. Yeah, I think I mentioned that earlier because the game script that everyone's just going to go into this is saying, I know what the Steelers defense is. You know, I know that they're a wrecking crew. I know they're at home at Heinz Field, but I think this could play out a little different. Now, the thing to monitor that we don't know on Tuesday night is there's been even more reports that multiple players have tested positive. We don't know the exact players. All we know right now is J.K. Dobbins and Mark Ingram will not be playing, and because of that, we just have to go off the information what we have. So yeah, Gus Bus at 4K on DK is going to be a popular player. Uh, he ran for 80 yards against these Steelers a couple of weeks ago. Dobbins went over 100. So don't be scared of the Steelers. And don't be scared of the fact that I think in terms of wide receivers, they give it up as well. Like I So there's, there's an opportunity for the Ravens. They only have a 20-point team implied total. I feel like that's just too low considering you know what Lamar Jackson can do we haven't really seen it and we definitely haven't seen it from Hollywood Brown but uh it's it's just something to notice that this Raven side is kind of countered out already because they're down a couple players but I think they could actually show up I mean this is a good team this is a team that went 14 and 2 last year for a reason and if anything the Steelers you know being undefeated have probably played above their expected win total already so uh, I like things to even out. But what else do you think on the Ravens side before we move the Steelers? Can you play Hollywood Brown after he has just dumped on you the entire season? Oh, man. So I wrote, I wrote him up in the, you know, the picks preview for the three-game slate, which you can find on the DFS pass. And I put him in there as a GPP dart throw. Like, that's where we're at right now with Marquise Brown. He is not consistent. You can't trust him. You obviously can't play him in a cash lineup. No question about it. Don't do that. But, you know, these three-game slates, like you kind of have to get a little weird in your lineups. At some point this season, Marquise Brown is going to break a long one for 50 and a touchdown, and you're going to be like, man, that's the week it happened. Like, I wish I could have seen that, um, just like with Lamar. And I think that's a really contrarian stack that literally no one is going to play. Um, people are going to play Lamar. People are definitely going to play Mark Andrews. He's the, the tight end one on the slate in terms of pricing and projected points. But if you want to play Lamar and you want to kind of build a game stack here where you're getting unique, you can go back to Marquise Brown. Now, am I going to have a lot of lineups that have that? No, I just can't. I can't put myself through that, especially on a holiday. But I do think he's in play here, and I think he's a contrarian GPP target. Yeah, we have him a little under 20% rostered right now. And if there's anything, you put the stat in here, the Steelers have allowed the most 20-plus yard passing plays. That's that's Hollywood Brown's game. And if you watched them last week, man, there was a couple of drops. There was one just massive drop in the middle of the field where I just felt like Lamar was like, I literally did everything you asked me to do, Hollywood. And it was right there. Also throughout Willie Sneed, he's seen seven targets in three of the last four games and nobody wants to play him. I have him under 4% in our projections right now. And that's that's what you need. That's the type of leverage that you want in the field if you're going Lamar. And let's say you do Willie Sneed and and Mark Andrews or Willie Sneed and Hollywood Brown. Like those are those are the type of plays that you want on this slate because the Steelers side is going to be much more popular given that their wide receivers are just out of this world. So I don't mind Willie Sneed, but let's just talk about the Steelers receivers on the other side. It, I mean, Deontay Johnson's a target machine, Claypool's a TD machine. What do we do with Juju? Yeah, Juju is interesting because obviously I think he's going to be third in the pecking order in terms of what we project for his ownership percentage, and I think that's uh, that's a viable you know way to get different in our lineups. Uh, certainly, I would rank these guys where I would prefer to play them, not considering price, not considering you know the roster percentage. It would be Deontay Johnson just given the targets, then Chase Claypool for the massive touchdown upside, and then Juju, and I think that's what we're going to see in a lot of lineups. But I will say Juju's matchup with Marlon Humphrey in the slot. 
is a bit concerning. He's been shut down all season. So I will be underweight the field on Juju. It is also worth mentioning. He does have a minor, in- minor ankle injury. Um, if you saw the play last week, it was kind of a bummer. On his birthday on Sunday, he stepped on a flag and rolled his ankle. And it's like, dude, come on. You're going hurt, to get hurt that way on your birthday. Um, so Juju should be fine for this game. I do think he plays, but something to monitor tomorrow. And then, of course, the news on uh, on Thursday. But I definitely prefer Deontay and, and Claypool. Yeah, Deontay, you're you're going to get double-digit targets with Claypool. It's weird to say that any player is expected to score a touchdown, but you know he has 10 touchdowns in 10 games. And on FanDuel, he's a great play at 6,600, which is touchdown-dependent. So both of those players are great, and I think Deontay needs to be in your cash game lineups as just an automatic. Like I played him last week. You, you and I, have, you've been on him way longer than me. I've kind of warmed up to see like, okay, this guy's an alpha receiver and I've watched the games and, and seen him. So Deontay's a great play. What do we do with James Conner? Because if if this is a slate for running backs and we mentioned the fact that the Ravens have been giving up on the ground, I want to play James Conner. I really do. It's just like, can I trust this guy? One, to not get injured. But two, is he seeing the type of snaps that I want? Do you want a running back that's playing 46% of the snaps? Kyle, I don't, I don't know. I don't think I do. So his usage has been super confusing, right? Like, we, I think everyone remembers week one, right? Came out, injured his ankle, and everyone was like, oh, man, it's the Benny Snell show. And I knew I shouldn't have drafted Connor in the third or fourth round of my season-long leagues. Like, how dumb could I have been? I didn't read the the UDK from Betts. Like, come on. And, and now we see this trend where in the first two months of the season, he was the workhorse, like playing 80% of the snaps every week, getting almost 20 opportunities every week, like true workhorse usage. The last three weeks, 46%, 88%, which is great, and then down to 69%. And we're seeing other running backs starting to get used in. I pulled a quote uh, from Randy Fickner. This is from Brooke Pryor on Twitter. She covers the team for ESPN. And it's basically saying Randy Fickner saying he believes that Benny Snell is more deserving of work and carries. They're going to try to work in Anthony McFarland as well. And then coming off a short week, he said, and this is a quote, James Conner will have to come out some whether he wants to or not. So I don't know what to do with that information. I'm probably going to play like a lineup or two with James Conner, and that's it. I'm not that interested this week. Yeah, it's weird how much, you know, Snell got a touchdown this past week. They really have given McFarland more opportunities than I thought. I thought he would just ride the bench. So I feel like with Connor, you're obviously hoping for a touchdown close, but they've just been throwing and they trust those wide receivers. Um, it, it depends. The Ravens do have some defensive players also out on the defensive line. I know Calais Campbell was out this past week. So Connor's more of a GPP play for me. I, you know, Zeke is the cash game guy that I, w- I want to pay up for. Antonio Gibson, if Swift's in, like those are those three running backs, I would rather play above Connor. But uh, on Fanduel at sixty seven hundred, I think he's interesting. And let's talk about Big Ben. So we know that Watson's going to be the guy that everybody wants to play, and then probably Lamar Jackson, just because he's got game breaking kind of upside. And then it's this next tier down where it's Matthew Stafford and Ben Roethlisberger as kind of those those three and four quarterbacks. So who do you prefer between Stafford and Big Ben? Yeah, for me, it's easily Big Ben. And I think uh, he's probably the the best GPP quarterback on the entire slate, in my opinion. And it's just basically based off volume, right? We always talk about trust, volume, and fantasy. Well, Big Ben, man, in the last three weeks, he's throwing the ball over 45 times per game. To give everyone a reference of where they're at on their season-long average, it is 38 times per game. So they're letting Ben uh, cook, so to speak, in terms of Russell Wilson there. Hashtag let Ben cook. Um, and I want to give a shout out to to establish the runs. Mike Leone, he put a, his uh, pass rate above expectation. He puts this out on Twitter every week. I reached out to him. I said, hey, man, can I use this stat on the pod? He said, yeah, for sure. Do it. In the last uh, you know, several weeks of the season, since week six, they're fourth in pass rate above what they should be. So even when they're like winning and you'd be like, oh, this is a normally a situation where you hand the ball off. They're saying, no, Ben, throw the ball. And it's great to see because, you know, when you look at how the Steelers can win and you look at the wide receiver core, they're taking their strength and they're using it against these these defenses that can't cover these three wide receivers. You just can't. So they're letting Ben throw the ball a ton. It's great to see. And I think he's a, a type of quarterback that, you know, people are going to want to play the guys that are early in the games. I don't know what there is about it, but there's something about like, I need to have my quarterback in that 12 o'clock game. Like, I'm going to go in there and they won't play Ben. And I think Ben is going to be sub 10% rostered. And, and I love him for GPPs. 
Yeah, I think he's going to come in around there. And then I think the best part about Ben is he feels pretty game script proof. Like if they're ahead, I think they trust him to like pick up first downs. And then if they're behind, like let's just say Ravens get ahead with Gus Bus and and Lamar, maybe Mark Andrews gets a touchdown, then like sweet, like you're getting 45 plus pass attempts from Big Ben and you know where the ball's going. So uh, I love that call. And then we'll mention a tight end. Like, man, Eric Ebron ran 40-plus routes last week. Like, that's basically what a wide receiver is running. He's almost at 85% of the snaps. Like, he's on the field all the time. And at 4,100 on DraftKings, like, I love I love him as a, as a play off of Mark Andrews in this own game. Like, people are going to be playing Andrews. You know, the, I feel like the easy stack would be Big Ben, Deontay, and maybe Claypool or Big Ben, uh, Deontay Juju. And then people are going to maybe play on the other side, Gus Bus and Mark Andrews. Well, why not just throw in Eric Ebron instead? You know that he's a he's a threat in the red zone. So Eric Ebron, I think, is an elite play this week on the six-game, uh, the six-team slate. So any last thoughts on this game? No, man, I'm with you. I think that's a great call, specifically on Ebron. He stacked with Big Ben. It's probably going to be one of my my ones that I, I build that stack in most of my lineups and GPPs, I think it's a, a great way to get a lot of leverage on a tricky slate. All right, give me your Vegas pick. Yeah, I'll take Baltimore plus three and a half. I just think this game is closer. You know, it's a divisional game. Typically, the second time around, those games are closer than the first. So I will take Baltimore with the points. I just need to see what happens, you know, as we get closer to game time with Baltimore. Like, are more players going to be out? And if there are, I think that does change something in the slate. But I will take Pittsburgh. Minus three and a half uh, at home. I just think they are way too good. All right, let's battle it out. DFS Battle Royale. All right, bets. Draw your sword and buy your sword, your iPhone. And this week <laughs> for the Thanksgiving slate, we're going to do something a little different with our Battle Royale. Um, this is almost like a cage match. This is what Al Smith and others do. I know that Mike... And Andy got to participate in it, but with such a small, you know, slate compared to what we normally do, we are going to on the air build our lineups and we'll see who does better. But the biggest thing is, is that we can't play the same player. So let's just say, I don't know, the for the first pick, bets like, oh, I really want to secure Ravens backup tight end Luke Wilson as his tight end. Like Which I, I can't get <laughs> Luke Wilson double L on my roster. Uh, so we'll see. We'll kind of at the very end say who's on a roster, but there's a little bit of strategy involved. Um, like we said, because salary is not a big issue, it's it's not going to really hurt us, but uh, I will let you take the first pick, bets, oh, and uh, we'll see where we go here. So and we'll kind of quickly go through our picks and then just um, see where we stand at the end. Well, Kyle, that is very giving of you on this Thanksgiving holiday I will take Ezekiel Elliott. I think he's a stand, you know, above head and shoulders above the running backs in this slate. He is my pick as as the RB one here of this draft. All right, I will take one Terry McLaurin, given the fact that he is easily the best wide receiver on the slate, and Dallas's secondary is trash. All right, I'm going to go cry, and then I will take Deontay Johnson. Given the targets, I mean, just massive, massive upside with what like 15 targets guaranteed every week. It's it's just insane. All right. Well, I'm going to take the best quarterback on the slate. Give me Deshaun Watson. And I know quarterback is something you usually can wait on in this, but just give me the best quarterback on the slate. Yeah, fair enough. I'm going to go back to wide receiver. I will take, I think this is a, I think this is a big Will Fuller week. I'm going to take Will Fuller. All right. To counteract your Will Fuller, um, I'm clearly going to have to take Brandon Cooks, who's all the way down there at 5,300, so I can stack him with Deshaun Watson. So right now my roster is Watson, Cooks, McLaurin. I'm feeling pretty good. That's pretty solid. That's a good start. I am tempted to go with another Dallas player here. I will take Amari Cooper. He's been really, really good with Andy Dalton, actually, in those three games. So I will take Amari. I think he leads the team in receiving this week. All right. At running back, since I can't take Elliott... And I'm just going to say, like, we're not, we're just going to assume that Swift isn't playing. I'm going to go with Antonio Gibson. I think he's the next best running back play. Fair enough. All right. That leaves me with a tough decision because I was kind of hoping I could get Gibson again, and I'm not taking Duke Johnson. There's no way I can't do it. So I'm going to, I'm going to pass on, on running back for now because it stresses me out. I'm going to go back to tight end 
And I'm going to go off the wall. I'm going to take Eric Ebron. This is kind of more of like a, I know this isn't right. This isn't optimal. I think, you know, the, the best play obviously is Mark Andrews, but I'm excited about Eric Ebron. I'm going to take him here in this matchup. I think strategy wise, it does make me think like, okay, so Andrews on the board, you know, how do I, how do I go about this? But it does make me think uh, more about this. I'm going to go a little bit with the, with the cash savings here. And I'm going to go with the Gus bus because super cheap. If I need to open up something else, I feel great about it. And he's the running back that you need to roster. Fair enough. You have, you have two or you have three running backs already. I have two. I have Gus Edwards and Antonio Gibson. All right. That puts me in a tricky spot. I'm going to take some leverage off of you at the running back position. You have, Gibson, I'm going to say maybe this happens where they have to throw the ball a ton. I'll take McKissick. Smooches. All right. In terms of wide receivers left on the slate, uh, there's a couple on here. um, And I think the one that I trust the most in terms of just getting volume is Amari Cooper. And I think he's a great leverage player. I already took him. Then I shouldn't take him (laughs) because... I should take Chase Claypool. Dang it. <laughs> I wish we had this in front of us, but whatever. I know. It's kind of hard to see. All right. So you have, you've got your quarterback, you've got your running backs. So you have two wide receivers or you have three? I have three. I have Claypool, Cooks, and McLaurin. All right. Let me scroll the board here. I need to flex and into quarterback, and then I need a DST. Let me see if this works pricing-wise. I think it will. Okay. Yes. I'm going to roll with it. I'm going to take your boy, Marvin Jones, to fill my flex spot. Gosh, that's a great play. Um, for me, for my defense, I'm going to take the Washington DST. Fair enough. I like it. At quarterback, I will take Big Ben because I already have Deontay. I've already got Eric Ebron. I might as well go with the stack. All right. And then for me in the flex, oh man, I just need to go for it. I'm going to go Hollywood, 4,700. I feel like that's going to make or break it for me. Yeah. And it's probably going to break it. Um, <laughs> the, the last spot for me is my defense. And I could go Ravens. They're the most expensive left that I can get to with my salary left. But I'm actually going with the Cowboys. You mentioned they've been playing a little bit better at home. I don't think people are going to play them. They're a bit contrarian. And I have Zeke. So I'm going to go with the correlation of the Dallas uh, defense with Ezekiel Elliott. Yeah, Dallas defense, I'll just add, is a great contrarian play. They're at home you know, when you look at them and you see how much they've given up, it's bad. But hey, they're at home against Alex Smith. Like they could easily could easily turn this into, you know, a 16-10 kind of game. So I like Dallas on a lot of sites. And then my last pick is the number one tight end on the slate. It is Mark Andrews. So Betts, why don't you run through your roster? Absolutely. I have Big Ben at quarterback. I've got Ezekiel Elliott and JD McKissick at running back. At wide receiver, I have Target Machine, Deontay Johnson, Will Fuller, the Flying V, Amari Cooper, and at tight end, I have Eric Ebron in my flex, our boy Marv. This is Marv Week, and I have the Cowboys DST. I will say the one pick that that really irks me the most, other than Amari Cooper, which apparently you took instead of <laughs> me. I really appreciate you I was somewhere else. Kyle. I was actually recording on a different pod at the same exact time when you were talking. Makes sense. So, uh, no, it, it's the Marv <laughs> pick, and not just because he's my guy, but... Um, I just think if I'm playing a Watson stack, I'd want to bring it back with somebody from the Lions side. But yeah, I have Deshaun Watson, Gus Edwards, Antonio Gibson. My wide receivers are Chase Claypool, Brandon Cooks, Terry McLaurin, your boy. And then uh, a couple of Ravens, Mark Andrews, Marquise Hollywood Brown, and the Washington DST. Love it. Not bad. We'll we'll see our results. We'll post it uh, so I can show everyone that, hey, I pwned bets. And... When this comes out, uh, you probably won't be able to get in, but I'll at least mention it. Um, our Borg and Bets League on DraftKings, if you want to join that and search for it, uh, we have a Thanksgiving Day contest, which has 100 people. And right now, let's see, there are 88 spots. So there are only 12 left um, if you want to jump into this contest. And then our main slate contest comes out later in the week when we release our pod on Friday. So Yes, join us on DraftKings. We'd love to play with you. It's only a $5 entry, and we for Thanksgiving, it's a winner-take-all. So it's a you big can walk payday. home with 400, yeah, 450 bucks uh, would be pretty sweet. I bet someone is going to play the exact same lineup that you and I just went over Probably. On, <laughs> on the pod. So any last words you want to tell people for Thanksgiving slate? No, man, I'm just, uh, you know, I'm super excited. I love this slate. It's the best slate of the year. Enjoy the day, Foot Clan. Like, seriously, have fun. 
enjoy the football games and uh, and good luck and hope you come in dead last in the listener contest see you next week yes give me all of your money okay bye thank you for listening to another edition of the fantasy footballers dfs podcast don't forget to visit us on the web at www.thefantasyfootballers.com